What is Montrospective? It's what we say to ourselves and our attitude towards it. We repeat mantras over and over again to ourselves. If we're doing it right, they're positive, not negative. What we say affects our attitude and our point of view. We all have dreams and goals, but how many of us know where to start to make them happen? I am fascinated by everyday people who are doing extraordinary things, and I wanted to find out why and how they were able to be successful. I spent 16 years in radio, not as a DJ, but as a promotions director. I never had an interest in being front and center or putting myself out there as a personality. Fast forward to today, I have something to say and messages from incredible people to share. Simply put, I am interested. I want to know what propels everyday people to follow their dreams in the hopes that it will inspire you to do the same. We have one life to live. Let's listen, learn, and share our journey with the world. This is Montrospective. Montrospective would like to thank our sponsor. If you're looking for a one-stop shop that offers yoga, meditation, Reiki, readings, and various other classes along with being a metaphysical store, check out Mantra in Blue Springs, Missouri off 7 Highway. Also online at mantrakc.com. My next guest is a gifted keynote speaker, award-winning author, corporate trainer, and certified life coach who believes life should be filled with fun, positivity, and chocolate. With disarming transparency and trademark humor, she shares her struggles and successes in work and personal interactions. She has helped thousands of professionals all over the world develop effective business and life skills. Her areas of expertise include communication, customer service, and positivity. Nominated five times as the nicest Kansas Cityan, she strives to stay kind in this topsy-turvy world. All of that is a giant understatement. I am thrilled to say, Dr. Susan Harrison, welcome to Montrospective. Thank you. Well, that was a good introduction. Thank you. Well, yeah, sure. I didn't write it. You did. So it's fantastic. That's why I love it so much. <laughs> That's why I told you I'm just using it because it's so well written. I can't top it and I'm not even going to try. I feel like this episode should come with a disclaimer. So I'm just going to say it right now. For anyone listening, if you're not interested in funny people or motivation or being confident, just turn it off now because this is going to be a roller coaster ride of laughing and just a really good time. You guys have no idea what you're in for. I don't guarantee any of this, by the way, that she is saying that. I did not say that. So we'll see how it goes. See how she's yelling at me already, guys? I mean, come on. So I have to start before we dive in to the meat and potatoes of everything I want to know about you. We have to talk about how we met because we mm-hmm. have just hit our one year anniversary of meeting just a f- couple of days ago. Um, it was a year ago, November, 2019. You were hosting a workshop with um, an actor, Colin Eaglesfield, and he had written a book and you had a coaching course and you guys had banded together to offer this workshop. And I signed up for it just completely blindly because I was a huge fan of his. Um, it came with a high recommendation from a mutual friend of ours who said, I would love you. So I went, okay, I can't find anybody to go, but I'm going to go. <laughs> and I decided to show up early because I didn't know exactly where I was going. And 
I should, I should preface it with, it wasn't a large space. It was kind of like a business park type area and mm -hmm. there was glass and windows and all that. So I could see inside and I saw there were people in there. So I thought, okay, I'm here early, but it must be okay to go ahead and go inside. And I started walking towards the door. The next thing I see is you running towards the door, waving at me, like with a big smile on your face. And I'm waving back. And wow, this is just an amazing introduction to this woman. I'd never met you before. And you stopped me at the door. Colin was doing an interview in the background. And so you didn't want to interrupt that and didn't want me to come inside yet. And we started this little like hide and seek weird game or something. I don't know. We were playing with each other yeah. through the window. <laughs> We'd never met before. And we just had this weird connection. And so when I finally came inside, you gave me this big hug. I introduced myself and we chatted for a minute and then you had to move on and do your thing. And all the people around us were like, oh my gosh, how long have you known Dr. Susan? And I like looked at my watch and went like five minutes. <laughs> like, and everybody was just floored. But <laughs> I want people to know that that's who you are. That is the personality 100% of Dr. Susan Harrison. She will be your best friend out of the gate. I mean, I had never met anybody like you before. I felt like I had to, I had to second guess myself. I was like, have I met her before? Are we friends? Because wow, that was quite an introduction. But is that how you've always been with people? Do you just exude this you know much love and happiness and joy all the time yes I'm always awesome <laughs> <laughs> what did I tell you guys get ready for this roller coaster ride <laughs> no I mean I, I seriously I felt something different with you it was just it was just fun right away I just connected with you I just liked you through that glass I'm like she gets me like right away automatically. And honestly, um, if I, if I have, I kind of read people. So, you know, if I have people that are a little more standoffish, you know, I'm not going to jump at them and hug them like I would you. I just, I kind of read it. And if, and if there are people like me, then yeah, they're going to get that same kind of, uh, same kind of reaction. If I get that feeling from them, I'm, I'm, I'm rarely wrong on this, but <laughs> when I'm wrong, it's super awkward, but that's okay. <laughs> Well, I, I don't, don't feel mind. like it was awkward for us. It was, it was awesome. It was like we were besties <laughs> by the end of like two or three hours. It was just, it was such a cool experience, but it just, you know, you forget a lot of things in your life, but that is like emblazoned in my brain of just how we <laughs> met because it was so funny. Um, it was. So we're going to dive right in with talking about your childhood. I want to know what kind of kid were you? Um, were you like just bright and cheery as a kid or were you a little bit more introverted and what did you want to be what were your dreams of your career growing up well that is a lot right there you might have to take me step by step we'll see how I do <laughs> Um, <laughs> so yeah I was pretty much born like this uh, this is just who I am um, I I have just always been really happy. I had a, I had a fun childhood. Uh, my sister owned a skating rink and at the time skating was really in and I just, I lived there. I loved it. I had a, a big family, but I was the youngest five years difference at the end. And my sister really didn't like me that much. The one that was five years older, I kind of embarrassed her. So 
an example is one of the things that I would do is at the swimming pool, you could, I was really into candy, like really, really, really into candy. And, you know, parents only gave me a dollar or something for this, for when I swam. And so I would go and I would work for them and pick up trash around the top where around the concession stand to, to earn some candy. And to me, it was no big deal. It was about the candy. And my sister was so mortified that her sister would be picking up trash. that <laughs> She started giving me money. So <laughs> now, you were a problem solver from day one. You were like, I need candy. How am I going to get it? <laughs> That's a good point. I had not looked at it from that angle, but yeah, it was very important to me. And so I had to get what was really important to me. Um, but I wanted to be, I wanted to be a teacher because I just, I loved my teachers and it seemed like it was just such a fun job and I loved people. And so, yeah, I definitely, definitely wanted to be a teacher, but I never, I never did um, become a teacher for elementary school, which is kind of what I wanted to do. But um, I did, you know, I have taught a lot of people, a lot of things. So <laughs> I still kind of use that side of my personality. Did that answer all of those many questions? <laughs> yes, basically. Yes, it did. Um, so you always wanted to be a teacher. You know, a lot of us never know at the age of 18 what we want to do with our lives. Some people know and some people are like, I'm just going to go to school and hope I figure it out along the way. But it seems like you kind of had a good idea of what you wanted to do. So um, can you talk about a little bit about your college experience and what you were studying? Yeah, so I, so I wanted to be a teacher when I was young, but whenever I was 18, I had no idea. And so I, I just, I started school at my school in, uh, I grew up in Pittsburgh, Kansas. So I started at the school there, Pittsburgh State, go gorillas. And, uh, <laughs> and I, I loved college. I mean, I actually, I loved high school outside of ninth grade. I loved it, but college blew high school away and high college was so much fun for me. I, I joined a sorority and I am not like a typical sorority girl from the movies, <laughs> but it was, it was just family and I felt fully accepted and loved and could just be totally myself with them. And, and it just, it really was fantastic and wonderful. And uh, those are, I've got still best friends from the sorority to this day. And so it was, it was absolutely wonderful, but I still, you know, I still had those, um, it's kind of started in middle school where I realized that, okay, I don't, I, I don't look like the people I'd like to look like, um, in, in, uh, when I was 10, that's when the movie Grease came out. And I so desperately wanted to look like Olivia Newton-John, or at least be that pretty. And so I don't really know when that started that I did not really like the way that I looked, but it was definitely after grade school. Cause I didn't care in grade school. I just had fun. So middle school, I started to kind of notice and, and then, um, you know, high school, I still had so much fun in high school, but, you know, I still had this longing to be like the pretty people or also to have Nikes, like <laughs> that was super big back then to have a pair of Nikes and then Jordache jeans. Oh, that was huge. And I never got the Jordache jeans. Um, I did get my Nikes, but that was way <laughs> after when I didn't care. Um, so in college, I was really, um, 
really in this family type atmosphere, fully accepted and, and loved. But depending on who I was around, I was um, what I call now, I've made up the term situationally confident. So there were uh, fraternities that we would hang around with and I would be completely confident with them because they were just really regular guys and just like to have fun and ended up to be great friends of mine. And one of my, one of them is still a really close friend of mine or a couple of them. So, um, but if we went to another fraternity where they were like the rich kids, then I just was not confident. And so for me, whenever, as I was growing up, um, really the two big things that, that um, held my confidence back were how I looked and then that we, I didn't have the money. And so I grew up thinking rich people are bad and all of this, you know, they're, you know, um, sort of, I mean, I don't wanna say I thought that they were bad, but I definitely thought that they all thought they were better. So, you know, as I, as I, as I began making more friends with people who had money that kind of changed through my life, but, um, but yeah, college was overall a fantastic experience for me. I just had such a blast. So was there any one particular incident that happened to you or was it just what it seems like we all do and tell ourselves lies that we aren't good enough, we don't look like we're supposed to, we don't have everything that we need. Was there a pivotal moment for you that you remember that happening or was that just something that you told yourself? I don't remember anything specific happening. I just knew that in in high school and middle school was more about the, the looks came in, but in high school uh, it was, I, I just remember seeing people with things that I uh, couldn't have. And um, I, I just, you know, and I've thought about this even that was there an incident? And I, I don't really think that there was, but also it wasn't a, I don't want to say that it overtook my life completely, um, but there were some of those thoughts and I, I knew that. Um, but, you know, in high school, I was, very, um, very much the person who was friends with everyone, um, except those really top echelon people <laughs> in my mind. I just, you know, and it's probably because I could not see that happening, but then I was friends with everyone else. I would just remember walking down the halls and being like, hi, hi, hey, hi, hey, hi, you know, and I just had a ton of friends and and just loved it, but I would never be considered popular because those were those, you know, wealthy or really good looking people. <laughs> I feel like we're kindred spirits in that way because you just described my entire middle school, high school experience. Oh, I felt like, okay. well, I felt like I was social with everyone, but I certainly wasn't the popular kid at all. I was the theater geek. You know, I wasn't <laughs> on the track team. I wasn't, you know, dating a football player or anything like that. And it's kind of funny looking back, I was never really confident in myself either physically. Like I didn't like the way I looked. I didn't look like the girls that I wanted to emulate, but I look back at myself now and I'm like, girl, you don't know what you had. You, <laughs> you actually, you actually yeah. were pretty attractive, but I, I mean, we all go through our awkward phases. If I showed you my like middle school pictures, one of them, um, my mom decided to hot roll my really short hair, put me in a blue sweater with pearls. 
I looked like I was 40 years old in like seventh grade. My dad had that photo of him, of me on his desk at work and everybody could have sworn it was his wife. No, it's my, it's my 12 you know, year old daughter or whatever. It's just, you know, you look back at those moments and it's like, okay, when I finally started making my own decisions about how I wanted to look, I, you know, I felt a little bit better about myself, but I was the same way, you know, and, um, you know, I wasn't part of the popular clique and I did envy what they had, you know, when they turned 16 and started getting these new cars that mom and dad got them and everything. I didn't have any of that. And, you know, as kids that can really mess with your psyche. Um, I'd love to start programs that could really get in with kids at the bottom level and, you know, try to tell them that, you know, it does get better. It's not, you know, I, I think it's a rite of passage. I think everybody has to go through these things, mm-hmm. but it's almost needless because by the time you learn them, you're older <laughs> and you're dealing with other insecurities. <laughs> you know, so, I would actually, I would like to, and I'm surprised I haven't done this yet, but I would like to talk to someone that actually was one of those people that I looked up to in thinking, oh, I would love to have her life. No, one of those really beautiful um, women who also had the money to me back then. And what kind of, what were your insecurities? So mm-hmm. that would actually be kind of a neat, a neat interview to do, but I don't have a podcast show, so it would just be me. All right. We're, that's our next episode. <laughs> You're going to invite them on. We're going to do it right here. <laughs> no, that would, that would actually be awesome. You should have your own podcast, by the way. You should. Oh, Why don't you, you have your own podcast? Uh, I just don't because I'm not a, um, that consistent of a person at the moment. <laughs> so I don't, I think it's like, Hey, it's been a month since your last podcast. Yeah, but I did put one up a month ago. So, um, <laughs> but I have a, a quick little, little story about, about the popular people. So I went uh, to my, I think 10 year reunion And I walked up to one of the, um, and it may have even been 20, I can't remember. But anyway, I walked up to one of the really beautiful uh, people from high school, and she still looked really beautiful. And I told her, I said, I don't think that you get how this works. Okay. (laughs) I'm supposed to come and look really beautiful. You're supposed to not look so good. And you're kind of breaking the rules here. So she yeah, and laugh, but I completely like, agree. I felt that way. I felt that way too. I think we did a 10 year and a 20 year reunion and it's kind of funny. It's kind of sad, but everybody sat in their clicks still. It wasn't like everybody was, you know, really caring about what other people were doing in their lives. It was still very clicky, but those same popular people were still gorgeous and had it all and everything. And I'm like, no, <laughs> you're supposed to be like fat and miserable and no, but no, I mean, I don't, I don't, you know, I'm sure you don't either wish that upon anybody, but that's, that's kind of like not. what we're, that's what we're trained with as younger people and stuff is, oh, someday I'm going to go to reunion. And I'm going to walk in. It's going to be like Romy and Michelle, and we're going to be, you know, <laughs> hot and awesome. And we will have created post-its and life will be great. <laughs> Yeah, and so, (laughs) yeah, but I will say that at my at my twenty, everything changed as far as there were no no clicks uh, that 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 stayed together. In my tenure, they did, but now ever since then, if we ever get together, there there aren't any of those divisions. So it's really been nice to just go and have fun with people you have that in common with. At what point did your confidence? take a turn and you, because that's what you teach now. You teach how to 
confidence um, in yourself. So at what point in your life did you decide, okay, I'm going to stop lying to myself and stop with all the negative self-talk and I'm going to respect myself and love myself for who I am. Yeah. So I was, I was married and uh, I was married for 17 years. And I will say that um, this is when I was really confident outside of the home and people would have known me then as being a, a confident person, but in the home, I was not confident. Um, and I knew that I wasn't good enough because I was told that I wasn't good enough. I was told things like you, you can't do anything right. And so um, I, I'm like, yeah, you're right. I can't. And I just knew I, that, that I wasn't good enough. And I was in the marriage. I was never told that I was pretty. Um, I was never given a compliment. Um, if, if someone said something nice about me, um, this was never shared unless I found out from that other person. So there was, it was, it was difficult because I, I feel like I went into it pretty confident. Um, I had those couple of hangups, but, uh, I went in pretty confident and I felt like it was, it was kind of, I allowed it to be sucked out of me rather fast. Um, I, you know, one small example is, is that one of the things that I used to do is I would sing songs with the radio, but I would put in silly, silly things in instead, you know, and so that was kind of one of the things that I did, but uh, one day he, he, he just started doing something similar. And I thought, well, now I can't do that because I don't want to seem like I'm, you know, trying to pull from him, you know? And so, so that, that kind of decision, I kept making those decisions and it'd be so easy to blame him and say, you were too controlling or whatever. But the truth is, is that I allowed that to happen. And I think because I was part people pleaser or a lot of people pleaser that I just wanted to please him. And I just wanted, you know, him to like me and I wanted to be good enough for him. And so I made these little choices along the way that really um, just kind of were detrimental to my confidence. And I didn't know, I didn't notice that this was happening, but it also kind of was making me negative. And I'd always been told that I was this super positive person. And uh, I didn't realize that um, until I looked back that one of the ways that I felt closer to him was if I badmouthed someone because he was always very interested in what I said then. He wanted gossip or you know anything anything that would be interesting that would not be so flattering towards someone. And so I would I would start telling him things, you know, or start, you know, just if I saw something, you know, somebody make a mistake or do something, I would tell him about that because then I would have his attention and he would listen to me and I seemed to have some importance. And I didn't even recognize that I was doing that until, until one day I'm at home and I get a call from an ex-boyfriend and we, we are still friends to this day, but he, um, he said to me in this conversation, he said, Susan, you've become negative. And it was just, it was just kind of a matter of fact way he said it. And I'm like, no, I haven't. Cause uh, you know, quickly I'm going to be defensive to that. And I'm like, no, I haven't. And he, and 
he didn't really argue with me and we just kept going. But then after that, I just started thinking about it and I started paying attention to my thoughts and the words that were coming out. And I realized, oh my gosh, he's right. And that's when I started realizing I have become a different person. I've started gossiping and I've started talking bad and I've started, you know, just doing these negative things. And then I've, I've allowed these negative thoughts about myself to kind of be per- pervasive. And so I had to have that wake up call. And I, I wasn't that positive person that I had been at one time. I mean, I was still cheery, um, but I wasn't positive. And so that's when I'm like, uh, uh-uh, this is it. I'm done. I'm done. And so I started working on myself from that time on. And, um, I, and then another, another turning point for me was, um, I'm kind of a naturally messy. Okay. I don't want to say naturally, cause that's really probably not true, but I'm, I am a messy person. And so I have to actually work at not being messy. <laughs> like I have to think, no, put this back. <laughs> no, don't wait to do the dishes. You know, I have to keep that stuff up because I just want to naturally be a little lazy when it comes to housework. But, but at home, he, he uh, had some military experience. So he was very big into everything has its place. And so I tried really hard to be like that. And I had a couple of spots that were my own, like my car and my office. And other than that, I tried to keep everything really clean and he cleaned too. It wasn't just me. So, uh, but it never was good enough. So, so I, he would make comments about this or that. And so I'm like, well, I don't know. Um, okay, here's what I'm going to do. And so what I did is I spent a whole day doing nothing but cleaning. And, and remember, it's clean anyway, but I did every crack, every crevice. I made sure everything was lined up perfectly. I mean, to the best of my ability, I just went and I just top to bottom scrubbed everything. And, and so when he came home, he didn't make any comment about how the house was, that it was looked really nice. He, um, only thing he did is he took two uh, shakers, salt and pepper, and he took them and he moved them about three inches over to the left. And that was his only comment. And so right then I decided, okay, now I, I have this wake up call that I will never be good enough in his eyes and that that has to be okay. And because it's impossible for me to do. And so from then on, I I still clean the house, but I never gave it the attention I used to because I'm like, it doesn't matter. (laughs) I can give it my exact everything. So, and it's still not good enough. And so with those couple of things, I just started really working on myself and realizing, you know what, I'm good enough, no matter, no matter what anybody else thinks about me. And I, uh, I have a relationship with Jesus. And so I would think, you know, I'm, I'm, he created me. I'm, I'm created. He's so I am good enough. Therefore I, I am. Therefore I'm good enough. You know, I'll take that Descartes phrase just a little bit and switch it. But um, I just, from then on, I was like, you know what? I, things are changing. And so I was, um, I was out and I started being a speaker at my dream job and I loved it, loved it, loved it, which I'm probably jumping ahead on you, but um I, I started realizing so many women out there were in the same boat that I was before I started doing all of these things. And so I really decided at that point that I wanted to help them. Well, you hit on a term that I think is the starting point, especially for women. 
I know it happens for men too, a hundred percent, but especially for women. And that's being a people pleaser. I mean, it, it's almost like the kiss of death because you think you're doing the right thing. You want to be of service to others, no matter who they are and do things to the best of your ability. But so many times it's met with not the reaction you hope for. You're not appreciated. You're not thanked. You're not all of those things. And you stop paying attention to your own needs. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think that's a lesson that I wish people could learn so much sooner in life. I know what I wish I could have, and maybe I wouldn't have had the capacity to understand 10 years ago, like I do now, but it changes everything when you realize you can only be as good as you can be. And that's enough and that's okay. And you don't need to worry about what other people say and what other people do. And you don't need to rise to their standard. Their standard is their standard and you have your own and, and that's that. So I'm really actually very happy you shared that story because I think a lot of people will relate to that, that even in the simplest of tasks, if it's not seen as good enough and you've done everything you possibly can, it can mess with your mind quite a bit. Yeah. So Yeah. And so, you know, another example going back further um, is that uh, on my wedding day, I probably looked the best that I'll ever look and had ever looked. And um, he said that I look nice. And that just devastated me. It devastated me um, because I really wanted to be pretty, at least in his eyes, you know? And so, that was, and then the knowing, as you know, from my childhood, never feeling like I looked good enough. I carried that for a long time. And so that was something too, that, that as I grew up, um, it just kind of stuck with me and here I am and I'm 52. I have more wrinkles than I've ever had. And I am overweight, not quite as much as I've ever been, but pretty darn close. And I uh, feel like to me, I look better than I have looked in many years. And I love the way I look. And it's, it's very interesting because <laughs> I looked much better before when I didn't like how I looked. And so, but I'm just very happy with it. And yeah, would I like to change certain things? Yep, but I'm really happy. <laughs> so it's just, you know, that's another thing that I'd like to like to help women with. But it's just all these things that we struggle with. And I want, I want to help women get to whatever it is that is making them feel less confident, less good enough. I want to pinpoint that thing, that real pain point for them, because I have several that I've revealed here. And I, I want to drill down and I want to help them get through that, that thing. Well, and that's just the few that you've shared are a few that I think pretty much all women have had at some point in their lives. You could be talking about the most beautiful woman in the world and she's got insecurities, you know, every, I mean, (laughs) that's just the way it is. You know, I work with people all the time that I look at and they're so talented and they're so perfect, but they're scared of being in front of a camera or they're scared of doing this. Like I'm envious of people that have a talent that I don't, and I try to encourage them to use their talent, but there's something that stands in their way and they're scared of doing it. Like I, I know people that are the most beautiful creative makeup artists I've ever seen in my life, but they will never do a video showing people how to do makeup or sell makeup or anything mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. They won't take that 
amazing God-given talent they have and put it to use. And it's because they lack the confidence. Something is holding them back and scares them. It doesn't matter how much you tell them all day long that they're talented and wonderful and great. There's that one thing that hangs them up. And chances are it's something from our past. Chances are it's something from our childhood that we were taught at a very young age. And we have to identify what that is and learn to get over it is the easiest way to say it, but learn (laughs) to acknowledge it and rewrite the story of whatever that was that happened. Um, So so I do want to get in to how you started coaching. I know that your first job, at least according to LinkedIn, had you traveling (laughs) a lot and speaking and things like that. So can you talk about that a little bit, how you transitioned into coaching? Well, out of college, I started in the restaurant business and I worked for Applebee's and I became a corporate trainer for them and traveled. And at the time, there were still a lot of Applebee's to open. And, you know, this was 30 years ago. And so I traveled around the country. I actually uh, opened over 50, and I don't remember how many over, but it wasn't that many over, I think, over 50 restaurants around the country. And then I did one in Curacao, which was an amazing, never forget experience. And so that that was wonderful. In high school, I started my love for speaking through forensics. And so then going and doing this training was, oh my gosh, so much fun. (laughs) I loved it so much. It was a blast. And so after that, I I never really, I went into restaurant management after that because I got married and all of this. And, um, but I never actually thought about me being able to be uh, a speaker. And then just one day I saw that, you know, regular people can do it too. And I'm like, oh, well, I'll, I'll try. And so I just, I sent an, an application in and they're like, yeah, come in for, and so, and I got it and I was just amazed. And so there I was, I was living, living that dream. And for the first few months, I was so like high, honestly, I was on this natural high. I was so happy um, that I really just focused on how much fun it was. And, and I loved meeting the people and talking to the people, but I, I didn't really focus on changing their lives until a few months in. And that's when I realized I'm like, you know, I, I, these people could get so much more out of it if I just start sharing these particular things. So I started doing that. And that's when I noticed all these women that had the same issues that I had. And so, um, after, after I, um, after I started speaking for a while, um, I, I still didn't get into the coaching right away because what I did then is for the next 10 years, I went into ministry and I went into children's ministry specifically And it was just a blast. Every job almost I've had, I've I've had moments where it's just been so much fun. And so this was, this was another one that was just a blast and I was meant to do it. So that's when I got my master's and I got my doctorate and I ended up doing that 10 years. I became a children's ministry director. Um, But then, then um, I stopped doing that. Uh, That's another story. Doesn't matter for here, but stop doing that. And uh, my marriage uh, got into some real trouble 
where it was, it was just obvious that things were really tough. And so one of the things I did as a people pleasing moment was to uh, get a job. And I went back to speaking because that's what, where my great love was. And so I went back to speaking and um, again, was, was seeing these women that were like me and needed this help. And that's kind of whenever I thought to myself, I need to be doing more. I don't know what that looks like, but I want to be doing more. And so then I, I kept speaking and my marriage fell apart. And after that, um, yeah, he left me with a text message, by the way. <laughs> after 17 years, he texted me that he was leaving me. So I'm like, okay. Uh, so it, I was just completely devastated. I lost who I was. I, um, I just, just was in this black hole, honestly, and we could do a whole podcast on that, but I was just in this hole. And I, I remember that, that things were fuzzy back then and I, I couldn't even see clearly, but I do know that, that I had a hard time, uh, you know, taking care of my daughter at the time and, you know, I could do a couple of things, but I know that I wasn't really a great mom. I wasn't, I wasn't great at anything then because I was just so, so devastated. And I don't know if it was a breakdown exactly, but it was, it was really, really a hard part of my life. So, um, and, and, you know, and I wasn't going to mention this, but I think it's important for the confidence part. He left me for someone that was, um, could have been his daughter, and so because she was so young and I, I just personally thought at the time she was really beautiful. Now that I know her heart, I don't see that anymore. But at the time, I really thought she was so beautiful. And so to me, it was like, OK, look, um, these are the things that I was worried about all along. And so it, it ended up happening. And so I did. I lost some confidence then and it took time to, to kind of build that back up and, and to, to think it, it really, it took probably, it took probably a good two years, maybe almost to, to really build it back up. And it, it, it was tough, but that's kind of when, when I realized, okay, I'm, I'm feeling good. I, I'm, I'm back. You know, that's when I started that coaching and I'm like, I, I just need to do it. I need to do it. And I put a thing out on Facebook and I said, Hey, if I do confidence coaching, how many of you would be interested? And I had all these women reply and I'm like, okay, well, that's my answer. So that's kind of yeah. how I got started into it. Well, and I think, unfortunately, so many of us have a similar story where something traumatic in a way happens to us that takes us down to that bottom rung where we're the lowest we've ever been in our lives, mentally, physically. Um, and I shared that on a previous podcast as well, where when I was 30, 31, I had an abusive boyfriend mentally and at one point physically. And um, that took me out for a couple of years completely. Once I was able to get him out of the picture, you just feel like it was your fault. You should have seen it coming. You could have done more, you know, all of those things. And you have to be able to allow yourself that time to work through all of that. And then, but when you come out on the other side, it is, it's like a jolt of energy. It's like, all right, I'm here, I'm back. 
and it's, it's an amazing feeling. So I want everybody listening to, to honor those moments in your life. And you may be going through that right now as well. You may be going through one of those, what, you know, we call dark nights of the soul, basically where you're beaten down to nothing in a way, you know, not necessarily literally, but just mentally you've been through something rough and you need to allow yourself that time, but also allow yourself the gift of being able to come out of it and find your true passion and find out what makes you happy. Um, because I can't imagine you not speaking. I can't imagine you (laughs) not coaching because I I encourage anyone, if you have a chance ever to see Dr. Susan Harrison speak, you must, because it is like, and I've never been high before in my life. I'll just say it. There's nothing (laughs) wrong with it. I so (laughs) don't care. I so don't care what people do. It doesn't bother me, but I say I've never been high, but I've got to imagine that that's as close as I will ever be feeling high <laughs> like you just you're ready oh, that's so you're, awesome. no, you're ready to take on the world you're like you know yeah. you sit there and listen and you're like yeah I can do this yeah you're fired up you're like I left that day ready to take on the world and I started I started a year ago this time I was a much different person I really was but it took listening to you and listening to Colin that day and meeting some incredible people to kind of give me that confidence. Um, and we're going to transition into that in a minute, but I did take your in confidence course shortly after I met you. So we're going to talk about that too, but I want to know what attracts you to coaching and motivating other people. What do you get out of it? Oh my gosh. It is so much fun. And I feel like I've used that way. (laughs) I've overused that term so much, but I'm really into fun. So I like to do things. I am, I'm going to be selfish as far as that. I want to do some things that are fun for me. And so for me, it is so fun coaching because I get to see these lives transform and these women start making these decisions to have different lives. And it is just, it is, it is amazing. It is such a good feeling to see these women and, and to know that, that, um, that they are now making those choices to have that better life. And, and they, it's just, it's just, it's mind blowing that, that I would have that small piece in that and be able to help take them to that next area and, or wherever they need to go and get more of what they want out of life. And it's just, yeah, it's, it's an amazing feeling. It really, really is. Well, and I believe your sense of humor is very key to everything you do. You put people at ease immediately upon meeting you. Do you find that that helps you connect with people that you're working with, whether it's individually or in a group? Oh, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And it is kind of how I, you know, I've talked about this before. It's kind of how I find my people, you know, because if you get my jokes, then you're my people. And so, um, so yes, I, I feel like it is, it's definitely a way that I use to connect. Um, I've heard a lot of comedians say things like, I develop a sense of humor to um, kind of push off other people and to deal with these things. And that was never my, my experience with it. It's just, it's just who I am as far as it's just fun for me. I like to joke around and um, what I call harass people. (laughs) And so, and I just, I don't know. I just, I just like to have a good time. And I think that that definitely helps to build a rapport when, when you're relaxed enough to, to have a good time and not make it so serious. Mm-hmm. 
Well, you've written four guides or books um, on different topics. And the most recent one was just released, right? In October. Um, And it's available on Amazon and it's called the All-Star Administrative Professional. Can you tell us a little bit about that and why you wrote it? Yeah, well, so when I'm when I was out speaking um, for um, for for a company like a contractor, I loved teaching for administrative assistants, <laughs> and they were always just a group that was there to learn and to grow, and they didn't have attitudes or you know they just really wanted to grow, and and so I, I always just loved them, and so so this is some of what, what came out of that, my love from teaching them. And it's, it's nothing like, how do you, how do you get the most out of word or Excel? It's nothing like that. It's more relational. You know, how do you get the most out of your boss? How do you work with a difficult boss? How do you work with your coworkers? Um, What kind of things can you do that would set you apart so that way you're more apt to get a raise? You're, you know, more apt to do that. And actually, a, a, a lot of it would apply for any woman that's in the workplace, but I wanted to do something that's kind of a tribute to them. And I've spoken for an administrative assistant conference before. And so they are really the ones that kind of got me to thinking about, they need their own book. <laughs> that's awesome. And you know, everybody can, if you're an administrative professional and you want to learn from the best, it is available on Amazon. I looked it up. Um, so we're going to get into in confidence now. So I took this course from you almost a year ago. I started it in January. Mm-hmm. Um, well, this year, 2020, actually. Oh my gosh. And really? yeah, January, 2020 is when I took so the course. Ago. So, I know it feels like forever ago, but doesn't, it's kind of strange. Um, mm-hmm. It's definitely a course that will take you out of your comfort zone in the best way possible. It challenges you to do things you never thought about doing before. I mean, you had us doing exercises, um, like doing something silly in public that you've never done before, like singing in public or whatever. Just, it's just something that you wouldn't normally do. The scares. And I don't do that with everyone. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but oh. you know, that right there might make people go, well, I'm never doing that. Um. <laughs> uh, uh, well, but it's not like you're held to the fire. It's not like you're no. there with us, making us go do something. It's just a personal <laughs> challenge. If yes. you want to do something yes. like that. So I do want you to talk a little bit about why you created in confidence and um, why it was important to you to offer it to women. Well, I really figured out whenever I went through how I changed and how I got that confidence, I really started thinking about, all right, how did I get here? What kind of things did I do? What kind of habits did I have that made me become confident? And so I just started thinking through those and just started writing them down. I did this, I did this. And so then I was like, okay, I'm going to create a course around these things. And so initially what it looked like was only really the biggest things were only about what I've struggled with and how I, how I got through them and what kind of things that I did. And so that's what I, that's what I started teaching the women does that answer your question? I feel like there was another part to it. <laughs> well, no, just again, why it was important for you to create the course and everything. Yeah, I oh, think yeah. you answered it. Yeah. But we're going to test. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> no, go ahead. Go ahead. And, you know, it, and it's important to me because 
because I learned these things and I didn't see anyone out there teaching these specific things on how to get more confident. And so it was important to me because I knew I had something special and something different, something unique that the, that would really change a woman's life because it changed mine. And so I knew it could, and it did. Well, I know, and that's why this episode is so important for me to do is because you were the catalyst in changing my life a year mm -hmm. ago. Um, like I've already said, I am a much different person than I was a year ago. I am more confident. I'm taking more risks. I'm doing things like this podcast that I never dreamed of doing before. But because I took that course, because I had the experience I did, I learned how to kind of just say, screw it. If I fall on my face, I fall on my face. I'll get back up and do something else. No big deal. Yeah. But I'm going to test myself right now because a year ago on January 6th, you um, wanted us to send you three things that we wanted to work on for ourselves. And I went back to my email and I found it. And so I'm going to read the three and we're going to see if I got better at any of these. <laughs> so let's, the let's see. So the first one was learn how to say no more and not be the first to volunteer to take charge all the time. Mm. That's hard for me. I'm a Gemini. I'm a outward personality. I am a very take charge type of person, but I learned boundaries. I learned that I don't have to be the one to do everything all the time. And I think I've lived my entire life being that people pleaser, that person that you have to raise your hand first, you have to volunteer first, you have to um, kind of have the spotlight on you. And I've worked really hard this year and tried not to do that as, as much. So I do feel like I've gotten better. I haven't a hundred percent eliminated it, but I have gotten better. I don't feel so overwhelmed anymore. Like I have to be the first to do anything. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. Number yeah. one, check. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Number two is be brave and confident in my abilities. Stop questioning what makes me think I'm qualified. That was everything to do with this podcast. I literally had an epiphany. I think it was last December that I wanted to do a podcast just kind of out of the blue. I'm like, I've got this idea. I want to talk to regular people that are doing really cool things. And I want to inspire others to do the same. And, you know, everybody knows I've got a radio background, but I was never on the air. I was kind of behind the scenes. I'm not a journalist. I'm not an interviewer. I'm not any of these things. But for some reason, I was like, who cares? I'm just going to do it. I've got this idea. I want to make it happen. Here we go. And that's something that I don't know that I would have done 10 years ago. I don't know if I would have done it two years before that. You know, I just um, decided that I'm going to do it. I'm going to be me and be my authentic self. And those that resonate with it, great. Those that don't, bye-bye. And I learned that from doing this course with you of just being okay with who I am and not everybody is perfect and not everybody has to love what you do all the time. So check number two, <laughs> yes! number three was let go of the past and stop blaming myself for things that did not go my way, whether that be in relationships, work, friendships, etc., and trusting that everything happens for a reason and actually believing it. That was one of the most important things for me to do in this last year is really stop beating myself up for mistakes that I had made, um, relationships that had gone sour, all of that. And just 
again, accepting that things and people are here for season and they're here to teach you something. And as long as you've learned a lesson from it, that's all that can be expected of you. So I really feel like I accomplished a lot just by you asking me a question. What do you want to work on? And it's something that I hadn't considered before, but you posing that question to me and me having to sit down and think about it, looking back over this last year, I really did work on those things. So I have you to thank for all of that, that literally you did change my mindset and my trajectory of what I was going to do next in my life. So, you know, here's your, your live, you know, little plug for you right now, because (laughs) I mean, you guys just don't understand how much light and love this woman is. And how much she can actually do for you just by asking you questions, just by making you dive deep a little bit into yourself and realize that I, I, I'm, a, I'm a pretty badass chick. I really am. <laughs> <laughs> and yes, you are. You totally are. <laughs> so are you offering In Confidence anymore as a course or tell us about your coaching and everything that you have coming up right now? Yes. So it has, it has evolved um, since, since you did it. Uh, It still has a lot of the same things, elements in it. But now what I'm doing is I am doing one-on-one and, and at the time we did one-on-one as well, but now it's just a little bit more. So, so what I do is each person goes for six weeks and in these six weeks, we do daily coaching. And then, and if you're thinking, oh, I wouldn't have time for daily, it's not an hour a day or anything like that. It's these short videos or text messages, emails, where I really focus on the things that we're working on right now and that you want to work on. And, and so we, we, do challenges and things from that as well. So I will give them challenges, just like what I did with you. Um, and then I will, um, I will then be able to follow up each day, that sort of thing. But then the other thing that I added in is now I do a half an hour uh, each week where we talk on the phone. And this is where we just kind of see where we at, what do we need to work on, and then kind of follow up from the previous challenges, but then also just what is challenging you right now? Where are your weaknesses? Where are your strengths? That sort of thing is what we do each half an hour. So um, I've just, I found it really effective, but I have to say that I have had so many women that have reached back out to me after taking the course months or even a couple of years now and say, Hey, I, I'm still doing these things. The, so I, I actually have found that that these these things that we work on are things that stick, and it's not just uh, oh okay let's do this and then oh in a year it's like well, I wasted my money. No, it's it's really worth it, and I put so much effort into making sure that each person has a unique experience and make it very personalized. So that was a long answer to that question. <laughs> Not at all. You give us a toolbox. You gave us a toolbox pretty much of things that we can go back in and use throughout our lives. You know, when we find ourselves in certain situations, you know, it's not hard to go back to one of those lessons 
that were kind of given to us at the time. And, you know, some of them are kind of funny to go back and look on, you know, like, like the one challenge you gave us that I mentioned of kind of going out and doing something a little different from what your personality is or what you would normally do. And I don't even remember what they all were. I remember singing in public was one because that just made me laugh. Like, cause I can't sing a note to save my life. So I can just imagine me in the middle of target singing some song and having somebody go, Oh my gosh, will you shut up? But you know, and, you know, and but it's just, it was about not caring. It was about just not caring what other people think or anything like that. And just being brave in the moment and doing something out of your comfort zone. So that's right. That's right. And uh, yeah. out of comfort zone, as you know, is a huge thing that I talk about. And if you're going to grow, you have to do things that are a little bit scary, but I always say it's supposed to scare you a little, not scar you. So if you're deathly afraid of heights and you go and you bungee jump, you know, that's, wow, that's not at all what I'm asking you to do, but <laughs> obviously that kind of stuff can help you as well. But it's just, it's really a, a way of life of getting out of your comfort zone, just a a little bit every day, you know, what's a little thing that you can do that maybe is uncomfortable for you wouldn't necessarily be for me, but it is for you. So yeah, that's huge. I mean, one of mine, I just did, I've had a podcast since May and I hadn't put up really a single video of myself. You know, people are always doing Instagram lives and all of that. I haven't been brave enough to do one of my own yet, I guess maybe because I haven't felt like I have anything in particular to say, but I did do a video a couple of weeks ago when I decided to take a break from the podcast and just kind of check in with everybody. And that was going way out of my comfort zone. I am a very much a behind the scenes type of person. I don't necessarily like to have my face and everything out there. So to do that was really a big step. And guess what? I did it and nothing happened to me. Nothing happened. I'm still here. I didn't develop boils. I didn't poof disappear. Like I didn't get a bunch Not of hate mail. Well, <laughs> oh, thanks a lot. Thanks a lot, confidence coach. Not yet. <laughs> oh, but but it's it's but it's remembering things from your course that made that okay. Is just do it. What's the worst that could possibly happen? You know, and once you get past all that, it makes things a lot easier. Just facing those, those fears, the things that, that you'd rather stay in your comfort zone and not get out of, but you're right. If it, you know, if it scares you, it's you're, you're going in the right direction. Just don't, don't let it scar you. When you get in the habit of getting out of your comfort zone, one of the benefits that I had not even realized is that when you do make a fool of yourself, <laughs> when you, uh, like for me, I was, I, I fell in front of a bunch of people. Okay. So one thing that I did not realize would happen with doing this as a habit is that when you, when you do one of those things, it doesn't bother you. When you, when you fall in public or when you, um, I don't know, crash your car or <laughs> I'm trying to think of what you would do in public that could be really embarrassing. Um, it, it, it's okay. You can take it much better than you could before because you're used to getting out of your comfort zone. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, I'm going to move into a couple of questions. I'm just interested in knowing how do you deal with criticism? I think pretty darn well. <laughs> Um, I, when it comes to being criticized, it's almost always by somebody that I love and, and care about. And it's usually, you know, doubting a decision that I've made, 
And I, I just feel really good about the choices that I've made and the things that I'm doing. And if it ever feels a little bit too close to home, then maybe it's because it's something I really need to take a look at. So one of the things with criticism I believe is so important is that if you, if you hear the same criticism from more than a couple of people, you need to take it really seriously because either you're doing that thing or there's a perception that you're doing that thing. And either way, you need to be aware. So I always want people to pay attention when they're being criticized. How does it make them feel? And I'm sorry, my dogs are gonna fight now. Um, in case you hear the sound behind me, how it makes um, how it makes you feel and then why, but to let it go. So Eleanor Roosevelt has this, the famous saying. Uh, the famous yeah, I didn't know saying, she said that. Yeah, she said that. <laughs> <laughs> and you do not have to edit this out because it is too funny. Um, <laughs> she had the famous saying of that no one can make you feel inferior without your permission. And it is true to a point, but it is a lie. <laughs> it is a lie as well. And here's what I mean. If somebody walks up to you off the street and a total stranger and they walk up to you and they scream, whatever you're insecurity is. So for me is ugly, you know, and some guy comes up and he's like, you're so ugly right then, because I'm a human, I'm a person. I, I, it was my insecurity. I'm going to feel bad for a second. I'm going to be like, Oh my gosh, that guy thinks I'm ugly. And then I'm going to snap out of it. And I'm going to say, Oh, wait a minute. I don't have to feel bad because that guy thinks I'm ugly. You know, I, I don't have to feel bad about that. It is really okay if that guy does not think I'm attractive, right? right. I mean, enough people do already. I don't have to worry about it. No, anyway, <laughs> I'm just kidding. But um, so I think that initially you're going to feel bad and that's okay. And that shows that you're human and you're not a sociopath. But then after that, you need to take away that power, that criticism. Too many people, and I know that I was like this, we hang on to it and we think about it years after and their words ring in our minds and we can't get rid of it. And that's one of the big things that I teach in this course, how to get rid of that, those past mistakes that keep haunting you or, or things that were said to you or you, you've done or done to you. I mean, how do you just get rid of how it's so, so in your mind and makes you feel bad. And it's like, they do not, they don't have the right for that power. And one, one quick thing on this is that, you know, after my divorce, I, I, for a while, I really thought about what he thought about me and would he think this was good? And I want him to think good about me and that I can do this or that or that, whatever. Um, and then I would, then I got to the point where I would say, wait a minute, <laughs> he he lost the right to have any part of my mind <laughs> to have any, to have a minute of my time. He might get 20 seconds for that fleeting thought, but then I'm done. I am done. And that took, that took practice, but that's where it's just, Oh my gosh, sweet reward. When I was not a prisoner to what he thought of me. I completely agree. What inspires you? I'm really inspired by people who take a risk and change their life. And I'm also inspired by those people who take a risk and it doesn't work out and they take a risk again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they keep going. I mean, that's just really inspiring to me. Um, makes me think of this guy I know 
Um, his name is Jacory. Okay. And he, and that's his real name. And he used to sell all different kinds of things. And he would, he would try to sell this one thing and, and it would be really cool. And he'd give these presentations. And then after a couple of months or maybe even six months, he wasn't selling that thing anymore. He was selling something else. And he just kept trying to find his area in the world and what would really work for him, but he didn't give up. And now he has a successful business. Um, of it's, I think it's called traveling trainers. There's his plug, but something like that, where, where he has now impacted people through fitness far and wide. And he has made such a difference, but he didn't start out with that. He tried and failed and tried and failed and tried and failed. And maybe he didn't even fully fail, but he wasn't successful. And he ended up getting to this fantastic place where he's making his dreams come true. And I just have so much respect for that. And it just is very inspiring to me. And that's what I keep trying right now. So hopefully I'm inspiring you. I'm not falling yes. completely on my face yet. <laughs> but no, according to you, I might. So <laughs> um, what would not you tell someone? I some... fully believe in you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Mm -hmm. What would you tell someone who wants to do something similar to what you're doing? Live coaching or motivational speaking. How does someone start with that? Okay. The first thing that you do is you put it out there to the world that you are doing it. You let people know you broadcast it far and wide and you tell them I'm going to be doing this. And here's when I'm going to start it. Because now you've got a little pressure on yourself. You, you have to do it. Get an accountability partner if you can, but you need to have that accountability. And then I say, do something something. And every single day, do something without fail. Even if it's small, even if it takes you 15 minutes, if you don't feel like it, fine, set a timer, do it for 15 minutes. If you feel like doing longer, do it longer, but just do something, something towards that. And then another thing is be very careful how you spend your money because I wasted thousands of dollars paying the wrong people. So make sure that you talk to someone that has actually um, worked with this person or um, this person has a track record for their marketing, whatever it is, because there's a million people out there that want to take coaches and they want your business to grow. And I truly believe that, but it may not be a good fit for you. So watch your money. Very good advice. Okay. Now I know how I'm going to get started. Just start, just do it. <laughs> yeah, just do it. Just um, do okay. So now we've, yeah. Yeah. There's your Nike tie-in. Just do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's my saying. Okay. <laughs> so we've reached the point in the podcast where I'm going to give you a scenario, a real life scenario, and you're going to find your mantra perspective, which just means I'm going to give you what could be construed as a negative situation and you find the positive in it. I'm ready. So yours is going to be, you find out that your health insurance is not going to cover a very expensive, but necessary procedure. You're worried about how you're going to pay for it. Find your mantraspective. So my mantraspective in here would be, even if I can't afford it, we'll deal with that. I'm going to be able to get this surgery still. I'm still going to be able to get the surgery. 
because I need it. It's necessary. I'm going to come out the other end stronger and better. And then I can deal with that because the important thing is I get this, I get the surgery, I get healthy, I get better. That was, that was advice to myself, by the way. So thank you for that. Well, you're welcome. That's my, that's my real life situation right now. So I decided to throw it in and give it to you and okay. I've just gotten my free advice. Thank you very much. <laughs> you are so welcome. And it's just, it's true. It's like, you know what you, you can't, um, well you can, but it's best not to, um, let yourself be bogged down in impossibilities, you know, um, and, and it doesn't have to be an impossibility forever. It could just be, you know what? Let's say the surgery is $100,000. You know what? I actually don't have $100,000 right now. Um, I really don't need to stress about it too much because it's impossible for me to get that in the next 10 days. It's impossible. So instead, I'm going to focus on what the good is and I'm going to focus on what I can do. You know what? I don't have $100,000, but I have 100 extra dollars a month. I can make a payment. You know, and I can continually make payments. And if I have to make payments till I die, you know what? It was worth it because I got this surgery that was so needed. I'm going to use that. Don't be bogged down in possibilities. That's a good one. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for that. I have one final question for you. Okay. What mantra do you say to yourself that keeps you going? Hmm. That's so good because I have a ton of them. It just depends on the situation. Um, so I use, I use, I can do this. And sometimes it doesn't happen too often, but occasionally I'll actually look in the mirror and be like, you can do this. You can do this. Like you right there, you can do this. And I use enthusiasm. Like I'm talking to someone else. Um, so I think that's, that's a big thing. Um, that probably, that probably is the one that I use the most. You can do this. You can do this. You totally can do this. And you know, you can do this kind of thing. I'm going to start doing that to myself. I do like a little post-it sometimes. And, and, you know, I've got motivational cards that I use, but it's a good thing to really hype yourself up, to look in the mirror and look at yourself and talk to you like you would be talking to someone else. I think that is key. I love that. And it works so. for me, it works, because it seems silly, like, how would that work? But it really does work for me. I, I, I sometimes need to give myself a little kick in the butt. Who else is going to yeah. do it? Exactly. Well, Dr. Susan, I am so happy that you could talk with me today. Your energy is infectious, and what you do is so important, and you change lives. You certainly changed mine. So if you're interested in learning more about Dr. Susan Harrison, visit drsusanharrison.com and I will link to all your social media pages as well so people can check out what you have coming up. And you recently started um, kind of like an email blast, right? With confidence tips. How can people get signed up for that? Mm -hmm. Oh, that's a good question. All they need to do is email me at susan at drsusanharrison.com and I will get them right in that. Awesome. Well, I got my first one and I loved it. So, Yay. you know, for any of you that need that weekly motivation, she's got it available to you. Definitely give her an email. So any parting words you'd like to leave with us? Uh, I just, I, I want to encourage all of you that you are good enough and to stop playing the comparison game that 
you you're good enough simply because you're you and you don't have to change a single thing. I want to continue learning and growing and I always want to get better from wherever I am here. But I know that if I don't change anything, I'm still good enough. And so you are too. All right, everybody, I want you to know she just dropped the mic on us and it's time to end this episode. So thanks everybody for listening (laughs) and I will talk to you again next week. Remember, your thoughts become your reality. You have all you need to begin to make your dreams come true. Dream it, believe it, manifest it. Have a great week and I'll talk to you again soon.